Good morning, good day, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Sage and Guide podcast. I'm your host, Raju Mantian. Here at the Sage and Guide podcast, we have presentations and conversations to help you unleash authenticity and influence excellence onto others. this day on the Sage and Guide podcast. My guest is John Philip Green. I happened to meet John Philip Green a bit over three years ago when the International Association of Facilitators connected me with him and he came down to the Philippines to help us strategize the, the chapter in the Philippines. He helped us strategize. He helped us think about the future in such a way that it would be easily achievable. He made us think through, think deep, think broad, and just focus our thinking onto the future in such a good manner that it has had a massive impact. So John Philip Green, a world traveler and facilitator, welcome to the Sage and Guide podcast, John. Good morning, Raju. Good, good evening. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for inviting me to uh, to talk with you, and it's good to see you again. My pleasure. I must say, there's a famous uh, there's a famous phrase that goes something like, "Teach by learning, and learn by teaching." Do you, Do you know that one? Well, it makes sense. I've never heard it that way. I always known that people learn a lot more when they teach. Exactly. And what you've provoked in me is, is uh, some reflection and, and some preparation for this talk. So I, I've really enjoyed it. No one has ever asked me to do a talk on the theme of leadership before. Thank you, Raju. Oh, boy, boy. Uh, my pleasure, my honor. And I think you are the right candidate to talk about leadership, the kind of work you've done, John. Okay. So uh, shall I start asking you a question, John? Yeah, why not? Yes. All right. On. So yeah. So uh, a little bit about yourself, John. Besides what I know and what I feel, I feel I feel there's greatness and friendship in you. But you know, just give us a little bio about yourself in a few sentences. Okay. So I'm uh, I'm married with four grown-up kids uh, and a few grandchildren. Uh, but I hope to have more grandchildren. But we're, <laughs> we're not in charge of that agenda. <laughs> so watch this space. I'm uh, I'm 75 years old and and retired. So I, I'm not I'm not looking for work. You know, this is not a sales pitch. I wanted just to share some stories and some techniques with the, with that people might find useful. Very good. Uh, Very good. Okay. As to work. Uh, I, my background is science. I did a first degree in science, went to work in pharmaceuticals, and, and then was, became a biology teacher for over 10 years. So wow. in the classroom, 11 to 18. Uh, <laughs> then I did a, a, a master's, a second degree in education, and, and that, that enabled me to leave and go into industry. And I eventually worked for a big water company in England uh, and came across total quality management 
and facilitation, Japanese techniques. Wow. wow. So that enabled me to set up my own company in 1998-1999. Uh, my wife said, well, you've left teaching, John, and now you're leaving industry. Is this the second of your midlife crises? <laughs> Uh, well, I don't think it was a second uh, crisis. It was an evolution, John, because okay. I think if we want to be teachers and facilitators, it's it's in our DNA, it's in our bones, and we want to let it out. So there you are. Great. So happy to yeah, meet you. I would, I would just say that I'm I'm technically called a pure process facilitator. Amazing. So, yeah. So you know that famous quote by Rudyard Kipling, who was born in India, of course. I know uh, Rudyard Kipling, but I don't know the quotes. He has many. He said, he said once, uh, I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names are what and why and when and how and where and who. Oh, you know, Rudyard Kipling liked the number six because he also had a poem about the six blind men. Ah, yeah, six blind men of Hindustan, it's called. It's beautiful. It's one on perspectives. So, uh, John, uh, right. So you gave us a little bit of the genesis, how you transformed from teaching to industry to TQM and process facilitation. Uh, what have you done? I mean, how much work have you done across the world? I know you travel a lot doing the stuff because that's how you yeah. landed in the Philippines. So tell me about that. Well, um, I, I, what drove me to travel and do workshops, I've always liked working overseas, you know, uh, and I work in all sorts of different sectors, the private sector, the public sector, the third sector, and then the great area where they all overlap in kind of partnership working, which is really complex. Uh, and I decided that I would do some travel because I used to, I used to uh, achieve my work by going overseas, coming back home, and then going back overseas, doing some work, coming back home. So now I just changed and missed out the coming back home bit. <laughs> I, started, I started to do some work and then I would travel slowly onto the next city or the next country uh, and do some more work or just do tourism. So yeah. it was a mixture of the two. I know, I know. When I met you, you were like going from some Asian countries to Philippines, to Ireland, uh, to India, and so many other places. By the time you reached home, I'm sure your your, your missus was mad at you. Like, where have you been? <laughs> well, yeah, all these things come with a price, don't they? You know, a, a price to family and friends and relatives and work relationships. But it, it just seemed a, a good idea at the time to travel slow and spend slow. Uh, I wanted to be physically challenged and mentally challenged. And, and I think, really, uh, there's, a, there's a diagram that I have here, uh, and it's, it's something like three circles. The inside circle is most of us start off a career working as an employee or as an employer, but inside an organization. Yeah. When we, when we go freelance or independent, we become outsiders. That's the layer two. Right. And so we, we are freelance. Uh, we, can, we might be self-employed. But after doing that for 20 or so years, I challenged myself to become to go to level three, which was becoming an extreme outsider. 
to go to countries where I'd never been before and try and get some work and, and do something. So I became a nomad, a gypsy. Yeah. Uh, John, if you hold that little diagram on your chest, on your sweatshirt, it'll become visible because it, I was able to glance at it. It can be seen if you hold it. It'll help the conversation. Just hold it on your chest. Hold it on your chest, on your chest, on your chest. Uh, okay. Yeah, all right. Okay, I see it. Well, I don't see it because our uh, speaker is set upon when you talk. That's the time I see it. So anyway, uh, I'll, keep, uh, I'll keep talking. There you so, go. Yeah, make a sound and it becomes visible. There you go. Let me change like that going, a bit. It's like going on the path less traveled. Right, 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 right. right. Get out yeah. of your comfort zone extremely. Mm -hmm. That was the, can I put that down? So I was, okay. I was, going, to, I was going to travel slowly and spend slowly. So... The process facilitation part and the way you help uh, International Association of Facilitators in the Philippines, how many uh, associations, how many groups did you impact and how in those um, years? Okay, I, I'll give you an example of some, uh, some topics, some countries that I, I did my workshops in. My workshops are quite quick. Um, they can be one day like with yourselves in Manila, there could be two or three days. It depends on the people's needs. Um, but it always has to be about their agenda. Uh, in Mexico, I stayed uh, with a man who I'd met in London, who was part of a global bank, and he was responsible for Latin America, for this World Bank. And he put me up, uh, and we did some workshops, and he decided with his, with his associates, he would create a company on what I do called map makers. And he asked me if I wanted to be part of that company. Guess what I said? No, I, I want to keep my life simple. This is this can be your company to go ahead with. And then he trans translated my manual into Spanish. So that's a big compliment. That's a really big impact because they are still using it now for workshops. And do you get any royalties or copyright on that? Do you get any kind of credit or returns uh, on it? Or? I, get, I get credit because it's my uh, copyright. Yes, it's, uh, everything is marked with, with, with copyright, uh, the Greenlight Partnership, yes. But I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not especially bothered about royalties. It's not a rich country, you know, the kind right. of work that you do. Right. The other thing I did before I left Mexico is I did something that I'd always wanted to do work with a group of people in a room where I don't speak their language. So in this case, it was a, it was a group of about 25 people that were Spanish speakers, and I was working through a translator. So I wanted to see whether you could do my process through a translator. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it did happen. And the, last thing, and the last thing I did before I left Mexico City to go into the Caribbean, I did some work for the British government. And, and that was a long traditional sales cycle where it took months to achieve the actual work. You know what it's like. With, yeah. With the, so, so John, uh, what is the essence of the service you provide in a nutshell? We, you, we call it process facilitation, helping yeah. people plan. But if you were to define it in a, in a quick nutshell, what would that be? What do you do and what outcomes do you... Uh, okay. 
deliver. Yeah. The uh, the strategy of an organization is embedded in all the conversations that people have in the organization. It's embedded in the words that people use with each other. Right. And by getting people, this is qualitative data, by getting people to sit down on a title, on a focus, and brainstorm onto post-its sentences that express yeah. their deepest thoughts uh, and then share them amongst the group, you get a distributed knowledge of what people are thinking, what their hopes and desires are, what obstacles they see, and what have you. Then everybody shares those, those reads out those post-its, and they cluster them. They put them onto flip charts under common themes. And, and the titles are new, or, or they might be things from the past, but they always have a verb in. Typically, people would get 15 to 25 flip charts. You've got over 20 in Manila. I remember that. So, uh, then, and uh, yes. they then put the titles around a great big chart, clockwise, going from ceiling to floor, and they do the interconnections, the interrelationships, one to two, one to three, all the way around the clock. Uh, and then they repeat it for number two. And, and the connections can only have one way arrows. So they are mapping forces within the system. Does one cause another? Does it influence? Are there decisions in one that have consequences in the other? Is one a stimulus and one a response? Is one strategy and one tactics? Or the reverse? Is one tactical and the other strategic? And so on. There's a, a series of rules. They then count the arrows and, hey presto, they find that one of these topics has got all the arrows out and none coming in. And it's the boss. It goes to the top of the chart. Another one has all the arrows going in and all the and no arrows going out. It's the output. It goes to the bottom of the chart. Others have an equal number, ins and outs. So they're in the middle. They're the bottlenecks. And you are able to position these pieces of the jigsaw in order of priorities by the mathematical ratios of ins and outs. And for the first time, People often say, it's the first time I've seen the system in which I work. It is a whole system. It is a right, system. Right. But now I can see it and we can have strategic conversations about it. That's I've the of the process, Roger. I, I witnessed this. Now I remember I witnessed this. Now it's coming back to me very clearly. And uh, my reading of that moment, three and a half, four years ago, today is that all our deepest intentions the members of the international association of facilitators in the philippines our deepest intentions were included they were aligned and uh, the relationship had become visible and then once we saw that on a chart we were also able to decide what can be done easily what can be done quickly and what needs to be done long-term and may require a little effort. But it was like everything that we had in our hearts and minds about this organization was up on the wall. And that was your process. I, it was mind-blowing. And uh, I realize now that what you've done across the world helps organizations and groups 
see what they want, right? And then think logically around it and then put it into execution or action. That is your process. And that's the first stage of the process, which is yeah. one day long. And yeah. unusually, unusually, Raju, it is a double synthesis process. Many post-its go to one header. That is a synthesis step. Many mm. to one. And then these headers go into the clock and you end up with one map, which looks one like map. a double diamond. And that's right. synthesis step two. And then you can actually put these uh, topics into logical order, top yeah. all the way down to bottom, and that's yeah. a third output. So you have three babies from the system. You, yeah. you have the clock, all the arrows, you have the double diamond, identical twins, yeah. and then you have the table, identical triplets, and they appeal to different people's minds. It's but if I, was, if I was just to say, and I do... Yeah. A, I like your uh, insights. So in Mexico, I, I created this company in, in, and then we did the work for the government. And then I went off into the Caribbean and yeah. I did some work in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Then I went into South America, nothing in Colombia and Ecuador, but then I got called back to Mexico to do a, a workshop with my friends there and the Mexican government. Amazing. So they flew me through Panama to Mexico. And we did, in three days, we did Mexico's tourism strategy to the world. Amazing, John. Amazing work you've done. Amazing service so, you provided to random countries across the world. So the scale, the scale of the topic is um, infinite, really. I, yeah. I, went, I went to Brazil and did a, a strategy for a pedigree cattle ranch. What's a pedigree a cattle ranch? These are pedigree cattle. Uh, oh, okay, I get it, okay, no mixing, right, yeah. Yeah, they have, they have uh, semen and eggs flown in from different parts of the world. The family histories of the cattle are better than ours. They know all the generations, their grandparents. Uh, and yeah. this man was preparing the ranch to be sold on the international market. So you right. wanted to right. So John, uh, let me let me now get you to uh, what leaders can learn. Number one, uh, what is your one takeaway experience or wisdom from everything that you've been exposed to? So today, if I was to ask you, John, uh, what have you learned, and how does that impact the world? How does that change the world? What is it that you've learned, John, through all those journeys of yours? Well, it's, it's not just through the journeys, it's through the lifetime. I've, I've done this facilitation for over 20 years, right. and, and traveling was three and a half years. So if I was to say uh, three or four quick lessons, one yeah. would be that leaders study leaders. They study other leaders. Right. They read the books. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is possibly one of the greatest books on leadership. Do you know Jim Collins? Yes, of course. Yeah, it's a very popular one. From good it's, to great. It, from good to great. It's a wonderful book. Uh, I, I did, uh, i give you an example of me observing a leader. I did a workshop for Jewish rabbis in London. Uh, uh, and in, in the workshop, uh, there was the chief rabbi who, who came in 
And yeah. he, looked, he looked at my bookshelf. I always display some books for background, you know. Now, he was the only one that went up and picked these books up and started to look at them. And out came his pe pencil and paper. And he started to write down the titles. And his executive director told me that every so often he asks him to buy 20 books. He goes away for a few weeks, reads them all. And out of that intense process, he writes a new book. And he's wow. written dozens of books. Wow. So he was continuously open to learning. That's the second thing. That's the second thing. No, I, I, no, that's leaders, study leaders. That's okay. Learn from other leaders. And, and I asked him, that the, this is the chief rabbi of the UK and the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. I asked him, what's the best book on leadership he'd read? And he said, authors I'd never known. He said, Heifetz and Linsky, Leadership on the Line. So I immediately bought it, and it's very good. Wow. But I, I personally find Jim Collins an amazing book. Mm -hmm. the, second, the second thing I would, I would say is about leaders is they look for challenges. They right. look for challenges. The challenges might emerge or they might actually seek them out. They don't shy away from them. They face right. up to them. They have bravery and they face up to them with their teams, with their groups. Right. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, they are brave. Like that. Yeah. The, the third thing I think, which is un underestimated, it's quite it's quite an unusual thing because many of the techniques that I use are what would be called hard techniques. This this one that I would say advise to leaders is to practice interpersonal skills. Interpersonal skills, skill. like soft skills, like listening, clarifying, questioning, recognizing. Empathy, proposing, providing, and nonverbal skills. You're an expert at this, Raju. You can you can you can see a leader uh, within minutes when they open their mouth. They don't necessarily talk a lot. They listen and they ask questions, and, and they are very insightful. But interpersonal skills can be practiced by a leader at home with their friends and they can slowly build up their competencies and use them in anger at work you know yeah. Yeah. I, I must may I add a bit there John uh, I've, I've spent about 25 years doing similar things you know teaching leadership and communication not teaching because I don't claim to be a teacher but facilitating the process and I've seen that technocrats leaders yeah. who are great at marketing strategy product development or any technical work, uh, when they go up the ladder, they come to a stage and if they lack people's skills, then they become painful and toxic to the company. They have no idea how to handle people. And I've seen many and I, I must say, I feel sorry for them. I, I work a lot. If I find one, I say, hey, let's talk. There's something that you need to acquire. There's a new cloak of armor skills that you need to put on at the stage you are in and uh, i think it's very important the three things that you mentioned leaders study leaders number two is that uh, leaders learn interpersonal skills and the third one was no the second one was a slightly different one the challenges that they take up challenges that means they are brave and they look for new frontiers to change and 
conquer. Conquer is not a great word, but to innovate, to, reach, to reshape. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last one I would say uh, is when I was training to be a teacher in the 1970s, I had a crisis, a personal crisis over my teaching practice, the ability to stand up in front of a class, teach science, but also control the class in, in, yeah. a, in an appropriate way. And yeah. my university lecturer told me three words, which I've never forgotten, to get control, to get influence in the room. And he said, exercise your personality. Exercise your exercise personality. Your personality. So in other words, you don't have to follow the formula of another leader. Right. You develop your own approach from who right. you are. Amazing. So, oh. so an example. So as and when you do that, you, you gradually get no fear of failure. And right. you are consistent. It's congruent with who you are. So, yeah. so I love having fun in my workshops. I love yeah. having puzzles. And that's my approach. And, and I will always follow my approach because I'm exercising my personality. John, I love this last one. I really love this. I mean, it, those are three little words, but they are powerful. And I spend paragraphs and sentences to make that statement. You know, call it authenticity. Be yourself. Come out of your skin, you know. Uh, don't yes. imitate. Do not be... Do not be uh, uh, Xerox copy of anyone. Don't try to be someone else. Be yourself. But you're yeah. right. Exercise your personality. That means whatever's in your gut and your heart, act it out. You know, whatever's in your head, heart, and gut, be that, say that, do that, and people will love you for that. That is amazing. And, that that's my takeaway today. Exercise your personality. And also, your personality is like a muscle. So when you exercise your personality, it gets stronger. Yeah. gets more powerful. There's a question, actually, Raju, that you've missed out, which was about my relationship with the International Association of Facilitators. All right, go ahead. Tell me. I'm open to it. I was going to come to it, but go ahead. Okay, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, please, be as my I, guest. As I was traveling through South America and Africa, I was yeah. following Twitter, and I kept on her hearing about these facilitators, and there was a man coming to Jordan to give a workshop. And lo and behold, I didn't make it because my travels didn't work. So when I got to Amman in Jordan, I met with two of the facilitators that belong to this association. We had great conversations, but nothing came from uh, with regards to working. And that happens quite often. You've got to be very lucky to get people in the right frame of mind. Right. You know, the timing. So I forgot about it then until I got to Manila. And then there were these five facilitators, and you were one of them, and they were what's called in the business, hot to trot. They were ready. We'd found the right man, the, 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 the person with the money, the authority, and the need, a little acronym. You know that? The right man, M-A-N. And so uh, we did the workshop. I yeah. went back to England. And I joined the uh, International Association of Facilitators, went to the conference. I did some talks to Europe. I did a talk for Asia to, to very, but that was all on Zoom, you know? And oh, now, after our meeting? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we're now talking about getting back to the UK in 2019. I did a talk 
uh, for Europe 2020, a talk for Alice 2021, another talk 2022 is you. And, and so my relationship keeps on going. But I found them an organization that's very focused on accreditation and certification. So after, after, after a while, I, uh, I kind of dropped away from them. Uh, right. But I, I enjoyed my uh, two, three years with them. I found it. Yeah. Uh, I found it very useful. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, John, uh, I must say that accreditation is required because organizations that don't know you or haven't heard of you, they have yes. a certain document which they can trust. So that's why that's important. And same thing with the International Coaching Federation. Yes. And uh, uh, I, I'm working on it. I am to be certified as a professional coach now. And uh, it's a lot of hard work, even the certification by itself is a really good thing because it kind of channels your energy and disciplines yes. you really well. Okay, John, this has been fabulous, 30 minutes already, and we can go a few minutes more if you wanna summarize this conversation, but I, I have great takeaways for this conversation. But if there's something that you want to add or something I might have forgotten, please tell me, pray tell me. <laughs> when I got back uh, to England, um, it was about the time when a, an activist, an environmental activist group was starting up. Have you heard of Extinction Rebellion? No, 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 I'm sorry. They're, they're, in, they're environmental activists. They, they believe in the same approach as Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, this kind of non-violence approach to change yeah. in society. They're trying to get governments to pay attention to the environmental climate crisis. What the do crisis they call themselves again? Extinction, Extinction? Rebellion. Extinction XR. Rebellion. So, so rebels to extinction, people who revolt against extinction. Okay, I get it. Uh, they're trying to change the government's mindset to pay more attention to carbon dioxide levels to stop the, the, the uh, people killing the, the planet. And I became right. involved with them uh, and I did some volunteering work, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And that was that was marvelous. So when I think of leadership now, I think of the people that lead that organization. Uh, and if people wanted to look them up, there are names like Roger Hallam, Gail Gradbrook, Rupert Reed, and so on. Very interesting group of people. Amazing. Great, John. Love, love this uh, conversation. And uh, I, I am humbled by your love for life and learning. I'm really humbled. And it touches me. It moves me. And whatever little things you shared in these last 30 minutes, I hope, I'm sure that they will be beneficial to people who will listen in and eavesdrop on the Sage and Guide podcast. John, uh, Two questions, quick ones. Uh, number one is, what does the future hold for John Philip Green? Second one is, how do people reach you? Okay. The, the, the future, for me, um, I am very focused at the moment on uh, Extinction Rebellion, as I've mentioned, but also on ancestry, on family tree history. I, I've, I've discovered through my DNA that I am not so much English, I am 75% Irish <laughs> from a separate island. So 
I, I have just spent three months going around that island tracing my ancestors. So that's a very that's a wonderful hobby. And the other thing I would suggest, which which goes to uh, finding me, is I would be quite prepared to help people in on a volunteering basis uh, if they have any needs, and they can find me via LinkedIn. All right, fabulous, John. Thank you very much for this session. Uh, I think you're a man. You, you have a quest for knowledge. You have a thirst for knowledge and learning and sharing it. And that's beautiful. That, that touches me and moves me. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the Sage and Guide podcast. And if it was helpful to you, the most helpful thing you can do is leave a review below and then like and share it with your friends. Your reviews and your sharing will keep this podcast alive and going. It has been a pleasure talking to you. My name is Ranshu Mandian. I'm a speaker, trainer, coach based in the Philippines. And if you ever need my services, please look me up at www.mandian.com. I'm also available on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Other than that, adios and mabuhang.